0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LeBurge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings
2: with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. It's we
0: Good morning. Good morning. It is the 4th of January, 2023. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Thank you so much for including us in your day. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Joshua chapter one, verse nine. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go this is my command. When we think about commands, I want you to consider um, that God is commanding us here to be strong and courageous and not be afraid or discouraged. Uh, does it seem strange at all to you that God would command us to be strong or to take courage? I mean, have you ever actually like tried commanding someone to stop crying, to stop being afraid? Um, command here is an interesting use of, um, of, of God's authority, right? So what's exactly happening here? God is saying, this is my command. I want you to be encouraged, not discouraged. I want you to be full of faith, not full of fear. Look, I'm right here. I'm with you. Be strong and courageous. This um, this command is one to be strengthened, strong and courageous, be strengthened in the inner being, in the inner man, to be filled with the very courage of a person who knows who they are because they know whose they are. Like, right, we know in whose presence we live and move and find our being. We know that God is with us and by the power of the Holy Spirit, God is dwelling within us. Be strong and courageous knowing that I, the Lord your God, am with you. I mean, what was true here um, of the individual person, Joshua, is true of each and every person who is in Christ. Jesus says to you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The Holy Spirit of the living God is with you wherever you go. If you are a person who has put your faith in God, in the person of Christ, like you have the indwelling presence of the very power of the living God of all things. That's pretty encouraging and reason to be strengthened and encouraged and certainly not afraid. I think that's uh, the same thing that the Apostle Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter three. So Paul reminds the Christians in Ephesus of the greatness of the gospel and the need to share the good news with every person in every time and place. And then Paul bows his knee and he offers up a prayer that the Christians would be um, his Christian brothers and sisters would be possessed of the same kind of spiritual strength that he experiences The same kind of spiritual strength that was called forth in Joshua in today's verse. This is what Paul writes. This is from Ephesians chapter 3. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Friends, if we're full of the fullness of God, we can't be full of anything else. I mean, you're literally gonna be full of God. You're gonna be full of faith. You're not gonna be full of fear. Paul goes on to conclude with this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, What is that power at work within us? That's the very power of God by the presence of his Holy Spirit. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Hey, those all generations that Paul is talking about, that's you and me. That's you and me. And so let me encourage you today to be strengthened in your inner being. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For not only is God with you, God is actively working within and through you. God is with you in ways that Joshua could have only imagined. You are literally possessed by God's Holy Spirit and a treasured possession of God's heart. You are God's child. Revel today in the truth that God is with you right now and take courage. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. As we make this uh, transition from an old year to a new one, I want us to consider that the year now past was a year of the Lord and the year now before us is also a year of the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean to intentionally turn toward the new year, offering ourselves to God and acknowledging that this new year is a year of the Lord? How is 2023 going to be a year of the Lord in and through you? We'll talk about that next with our friend Daryl Crouch. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Whoa,
2: I've seen fire, and I've seen rain, I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end.
0: Well, good morning, and welcome back to Daryl Crouch. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year, Carmen. It's great to hear yeah. from you and uh hope, hope it's gone. Uh, the, the first few days have been great.
0: Well, um, I live in Middle Tennessee, so you happen to know that my first few days have been very wet, but many people listening today are totally buried under um, by a very, very heavy, wet blanket of snow. And so I'm not complaining about rain.
1: No, I've already walked my dog this morning in 62 degree weather, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. complaining. Yeah.
0: That's an invitation to everybody to come to Tennessee. Um That's hey, if you um if you are like Paul Perot, who very dutifully slogged his way into the studio this morning through um whatever that fresh snow is that is blanketing the earth. Oh, in the
1: I've seen snow and I see ice. <laughs> and I can tell you my drive in wasn't very nice. There you go. And
0: your drive <laughs> home yesterday was very long. So oh, we're d- just that so was. thankful. <laughs> We're so we're so thankful for you, Paul. So I am. Um, I want to awesome. start this year by being sure that we um, we affirm our gratitude for one another. And so, Daryl, thanks again for sharing time with us um, week in and week out. We really appreciate it. When um, when I was thinking about uh, how to lead off our conversation this year in terms of actually bringing the living word of God into you know so the living reality of our day to day lives, this conversation about what it means to live in the reality of a year of the Lord, and particularly the year of the Lord's favor came to mind. And so, um, obviously, we're referring there not only to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 4 in laying claim to these verses, um, but what the prophet Isaiah says in chapter 61. So, can you lead us into a conversation about these verses and um, and either read Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, or from uh, Luke 4, where Jesus quotes that passage?
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. And the, that Luke 4, obviously the Isaiah passage is the basis for the Luke 4 passage um, that Jesus read. And um, I have to believe that um, that Luke, as he was, you know, I, some of us like to write a little bit, and uh, certainly none of us are inspired um, as uh, Luke was when he wrote um, uh, the gospel. But um, I have to believe that he was so excited uh, to get to Luke chapter four, what we know is Luke four. I, I have to believe that he was, he he would he knew that this was the reason he was writing this gospel to let everybody know, to let the world know that Jesus had come. And so, um, um, in Luke four sixteen, it says he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. He says this, "'The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to free the oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, or the year of the Lord's favor.'" And then he rolled, this is really good. Uh, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began saying to them, Today, as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. Um, certainly the resurrection of Jesus that comes much later in Jesus's ministry uh, was the pinnacle of his work. But in terms of Luke, um explaining what was happening and unfolding kind of unpacking as we say now unpacking this um incredible story of the messiah uh this had to have been so uh, well more than fun but it had to have been really exciting for Luke to write the, these words and to let the let the cat out of the bag let to be very um open about uh, who Jesus was and what he had come to do. And so uh, we see that the people that were in attendance knew something different ha- was happening here, that all that the prophet Isaiah, all that the prophets had promised uh, was sitting before them. And um, they knew, uh, I believe they knew, I don't believe they knew everything, certainly like uh, nobody in real time knows everything, but they knew that uh Jesus's claim um, was uh, that the claim that he was making was was clear and um, that there was legitimacy to his claim and um, it was a new it was a, it was literally a new day for them
0: this proclamation of the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the promises of God um, this is this is something that like dawns on each one of us who now call ourselves Christians. Like there was a point in time when it dawned on you that Jesus Christ really is the living God um, and that he really is the savior of the world and that he really has done for you what you could not do for yourself. So I want you to just to imagine for a moment that you were sitting in that synagogue on that particular um, Sabbath and Jesus, uh, whom you had known because he had grown up in your community. Um, unrolled the scroll and read these verses and then sat down and said, you know, today, today, these these verses, these claims of God, these promises of God have been fulfilled in your hearing. We're going to continue talking about these verses and what it means to live in the reality of the year of the Lord's favor. We're talking with our friend Daryl Crouch from Everyone's Wilson. And we'll be right back. Thanks so
1: much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Suzy Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Morning.
0: Daryl Crouch is here with us. Uh, he, um, serves an organization called Everyone's Wilson. You should check it out if you want to know how to impact your local community and actually, you know, like get engaged. You're looking for a model of Christian engagement in the community where you live. Everyone's Wilson is a model of that in Wilson County, Tennessee. Everyone's Um, Daryl, let's talk about the year of the Lord's favor um historically the people um who would have heard that uh, you know would have heard the language of leviticus twenty five what it meant to live in the year of the lord's favor they would have thought about jubilee and all that that meant mm-hmm. um when jesus says that you know that's that's the time you're now living in um and for those who are in christ you know w- what does that mean for us
1: yeah it and it was a it was a um a phrase that the listeners would have, as you said, been familiar with in terms of this year of jubilee, this year of freedom, this year where debts were uh, extinguished and are expunged, and um, people were set free from um, captivity, if uh, or of, of, of indebtedness and um, servanthood. If they chose, um, it was it was a year of celebration. It was a year of freedom. And when Jesus used the term, we we believe he was speaking about more than one year and 365 days. Uh, he was speaking of a a new era had emerged, the era of the kingdom, an era of the Lord's favor, an era uh, where freedom was um, now available in the in the work of the Messiah who had come, who was himself. And so I think uh, for us, the the year of the Lord's favor, the favorable year of the Lord is this season that we're now in that was really inaugurated in this moment, which is really, uh, really neat. It's a really encouraging passage. And um, Jesus is saying, listen, a new day has come and the good news of the kingdom is present it is you, there is no more waiting. And, um, and he was saying that his life, his purpose in being on the planet was to usher in this, um, favor of the Lord, this era of grace, this era of salvation, good news of great joy, which will be for all the people, uh, that uh, the, the shepherds heard proclaimed on Christmas morning. And so he's saying, listen, I am him and there is no more waiting. Um, and and I think for us, as I think about uh, Jesus um, making this statement, he was saying, listen, my life is oriented around, my life and purpose is oriented around ushering in the kingdom. Um, the The rule and reign of Jesus now and forevermore to set all of us free from our sin to conquer death, sin, and the grave on our behalf like this this reconciliation with God is available, it is present in front of you, and so he was saying, Listen, I am going to orient my entire life around this good news, and I think for us, as we start our new year. And many of us have made plans and many of us, you know, have, have kind of re-upped on some priorities in our lives, which I think is a wonderful exercise. I I think it's one, I think it's a, a great time to reset. But the question is, as we're making New Year's plans, um, is to ask ourselves, are we orienting our lives around the kingdom? Are we orienting our priorities around the rule and reign of Jesus, of p- proclaiming the release to the captives, the spiritual captives, to the spiritually blind? Are we orienting our lives around uh, showing and sharing the gospel? Um, is that is that kind of the, the motivating uh, drive behind the New Year's uh, resolutions and plans and priorities and calendars that we're making? And um, when we know that our purpose is to join Jesus's kingdom work, then um, uh, the the priorities, the daily habits uh, follow after that. And so, I think for us, um, as it was for Jesus, he said, "Listen, I'm orienting my life around this, and I'm inviting you to join me." And um, this is good news of great joy. It's still good news of great joy for our neighbors, for our kids, for our grandkids. For um those in our circles of influence, and uh, how then will we live out this good news and um, it's really a a new year's kind of question for me
0: i um i'm I'm aware that in our own like walk of faith every single day, um how I live out my faith in a living Lord, um how I acknowledge that. You know, not only each and every year, but each and every month, each and every week, each and every day, each and every hour, each and every moment, each and every encounter with another person, um, each and every opportunity to pray. Like this can be a year of the Lord and I can live in his favor or I can live as if the Lord is not and this will um, be a year that is not lived. In the favor of the Lord, and I think Darryl, um it's helpful for each of us to acknowledge that in every moment we have a choice.
1: Hmm. Every moment—that's um, so good. Uh, every moment we do. Every relationship we 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 have a lot of different relationships: friends, families, neighbors, coworkers, classmates, um, folks on the ball field. You know, at our kids' uh, ball games, uh, we sit on the bleacher with their parents as well, and. Uh, we we have we have a lot of relationships we have a lot of choices as you said about how we engage with other people and why we engage with other people and um you know Jesus said I came to serve not to be served and I wonder sometimes if we went into a restaurant or we went into the bank or wherever we need we do need service for sure but wonder what would happen if we walked in saying I wonder how I can serve in this room I wonder how I can serve the table in some way obviously the the waitresses or the waiter they have responsibilities but i wonder how i can serve them i wonder how i can bless their lives i wonder how i can add value to the bank teller or to the the service person who's at the at the counter i wonder how i can serve my employees who work for me i wonder how i can add value to their lives it's more than a paycheck uh, how can I invest in them personally? And um, I think uh, the the question is if 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 I orient my life around the kingdom and around Jesus' rule and reign and the hope that He has has come to bring, um, what does that look like in the in the daily choices and the daily relationships, um, in the way that I posture myself in my own home? Um, that when I just want to uh, you know be selfish. Um, how can how can I serve other people? How can I give away this good news? And I think the authenticity of that, Carmen, bears more, more fruit than we would ever imagine. Because at the end of the day, our kids, uh, whether they're young or older, uh, our neighbors, um, people are watching to see if whether we say the things that we say and the things that we do are consistent. And when they see authenticity in our lives— uh, they see something very compelling, and um, that's that's worth following. And uh, otherwise, we're just peddling, you know, uh, more content for people. But mm-hmm. this is this is life that uh, Jesus came to give—life and life abundantly. And as we uh, again um, calibrate our lives and and plan our days and n- navigate our relationships in a way that that invites people to follow Jesus with us. Um, in authenticity in 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 the common places. Um, God does remarkable work. Jesus spent and I'll say this, Jesus spent a lot of time in obscure countrysides with a few people. Um, he spent just a lot of time doing normal, mundane things um and um with with really ordinary people. And um you know those people went on to change the world and become You know, the pillars of our faith, the heroes of our faith. And so I think as we um, um, are careful not to discount the mundane, ordinary, everyday relationships and choices we make, God will do something incredible.
0: So good. Daryl, um, as always, thank you so much. We look forward to spending time with you throughout this new year. That's Daryl Crouch. You can find him at Everyone'sWilson.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Um, Hey, if you type one word into your search bar and you ask for news headlines, it's super interesting to note the variety of returns that you get. It might be interesting for us to compare the difference of the list that you get from the list that I get. If we type the same word into the search bar, that would be a fun exercise for us to explore. Well, this morning, in anticipation of the conversation with Don Johnson about his documentary film Disconnected, in which he chronicles the story behind the transgender explosion in the culture today, I typed the word transgender into my Google search bar and asked for news headlines. Here's what I got. Number one, transgender Missouri inmate executed for fatal stabbing. Number two, could federal transgender bathroom ruling also affect women's and girls' sports? Number three, appeals court upholds Florida High School's transgender bathroom ban. Number four, Transgender worker denied health care files discrimination complaint against Christian employer. Number five, proposed Senate bill places restrictions on transgender student pronouns in Arizona schools. That's just the top five. And that's just one day of headlines typing in one word. What's happening? And why is it happening? Don Johnson joins us next to explore the transgender disconnect in our culture today. Disconnect, dis with a Y, is the name of the documentary. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Well, this is a topic that is top of mind for each and every one of us. We are all affected by the transgender phenomenon, or what we might call a transgender tsunami that has swept across the nation. We have an opportunity today to talk with Don Johnson. He's an author, he's also a filmmaker, and he has a movie that you're going to want to check out disconnectedmovie.com. And disconnected is D Y S, disconnectedmovie.com. Don, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
2: Hey, thanks, Carmen. Good to be here. Yeah, thank
0: you so much. So when you encounter something that you find disruptive and you want to do more research on, you actually set about it in a way that is different than maybe the rest of us do. So talk, just talk about your approach as a documentary filmmaker to this topic of seeing what was happening across the country related to this trans- transgender uh, revolution.
2: Yeah, I uh so I'm a dad too, not only a filmmaker but uh a dad of uh, four kids, three teenage girls and yeah, I saw it like I'm a news hound too. So I saw the trans thing, you know, sort of taking root and you're having to show your pronouns and this sort of thing. But it was really with my daughters and their social circle that got me very concerned about what was happening. And so, um, yeah, what I do as a filmmaker, I, I started reaching out to like a couple of people that I knew or connections of connections. Um, and we ended up getting some great people. So, for instance, I reached out to uh, like Ryan T. Anderson, who uh, wrote a great book called Uh, When Harry became Sally, and I said, Hey, Ryan, I'd like to sit down with you. And he was very nice about it. And then we talked to people like Abigail Favali, who has a new book out called the the, uh, Genesis of Gender. She was writing it at the time. And uh it just sort of steamrolled after that. They they said, hey, maybe you should talk to this person and this person. We started talking to some uh, detransitioners. Um, the the girl in the film who sort of provides our narrative arc, your name is Daisy. Uh she transitioned, lived as male for uh several years as a teenager and young adult. And uh we went and visited with her. And yeah, it just sort of builds on itself. And uh we traveled around the country for for about a year putting this thing together. And um, yeah, we were excited with the way it turned out.
0: Yeah, it's excellent. Um, And I want to encourage, if you're listening right now, and you certainly want to know more, Disconnected Movie is D-Y-S, disconnectedmovie.com. We love Ryan Anderson. We've had Abigail Favali on the show to talk about the genesis of gender. Carl Truman is also another favorite of ours. And so, you know, when you feature conversations like that with people who have done the hard work um and they know what's going on and you've brought them to the fore and then just the conversations with uh with with and about daisy just so very helpful what is going on like if my mom were to ask me she's 84 and if she were to say like okay this whole transgender thing what is going on how would you answer her question
2: yeah, it's uh, it would be flabbergasting, wouldn't it? it? To especially to the older people who don't realize like how quickly this has taken root. Um, if I could summarize it, I would say we have a uh, a trans-industrial uh, industry, <laughs> the trans-industrial complex, big trans, if you will, run by uh, a few very powerful people that have managed to create a top-down money-generating machine, a vortex, that ideologically, for several reasons, but ideologically has taken over most of the main institutions in our nation. So the educational industry, the counseling industry, the medical industry have now become enslaved to this really strange, cultish, ideological uh, notion that's making some people a lot of money. And what's happening is it's sucking these uh, teenage girls especially. Uh, people may not know. they like, well, the trans thing, isn't that a bunch of middle-aged men running around in dresses? I mean, it does seem that way sometimes. That's actually not the main problem right now. It's the tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of teenage girls that are getting sucked into this vortex where they are being told that, Um, If they have any sort of emotional issues, really, any sort of psychological issues, any sort of trauma in their past, they're being told, well, the issue here is that you were born in the wrong body and that we need to medically intervene with your body to change it and make it what you you think it should be. So they're putting them on puberty blockers, prepubescent kids, you know, six, seven years old, up to 10 years old, putting them on puberty blockers, uh, followed by cross-sex hormones followed by a regiment where they are very quickly led into uh, surgery. Um, You're having 15-year-old girls getting their breasts removed, uh, followed by um, less often, but too often, unfortunately, what they euphemistically call bottom surgery. Uh, So basically, they're mutilating these young kids' bodies uh, and permanently uh, changing and disfiguring them with off-label hormones that are doing... unbelievable damage. I mean, it's a, yeah, you you talk about talking to like your mother. It's like, they. it's hard to imagine, like it's hard to really get your mind around how um, crazy this is.
0: All right. So we are talking with Don Johnson. The documentary is Disconnected Movie. So you go to disconnectedmovie.com. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment, but let me give you this statistic. According to the American Society of Plastic and Reconstructive Surgeries, in 2020, nearly 230,000 cosmetic surgeries and nearly 140,000 other cosmetic procedures were performed on teenage girls ages 13 to 19. What is going on and how did it come to this? Who is behind it and what is coming next? We're going to ask Don Johnson next here on Mornings with Carmen. Please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible gift to Faith Radio before the year ends. You can give now by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or join the support team at myfaithradio.com. Thanks a lot. Continuing our conversation now with a uh, filmmaker and father Don Johnson. Uh disconnectedmovie.com is where you can get more information and uh, and actually watch the movie. Don, talk with us about like how it came to this and who is behind it. Because I, I think that, you know, when you say there's just a few people really behind this you know suddenly everybody wants to know who those people are
2: yeah well and and i should preface this by saying i don't actually think it's like a smoky back room where you have like three or four uh, people you know nefariously putting this um thing together it's it's not necessarily that but it is a top down movement it's not some grassroots thing where a bunch of girls who previously, you know, would have had to hide their transgender identity now coming out of the closet. It's nothing like that. Uh, it is a top-down. It's pushed on um, educators. It's pushed on doctors. It's pushed on counselors. And they're now pushing it on kids. So where did that come from? Well, I actually go back to the beginning of the sexual revolution, uh, where we disconnected, another reason for the, the title, we disconnected people's identity from their bodies. And so you had like second wave feminism uh, came along and said, you know, to be a woman, you don't have to acknowledge that you are a reproductive person, right? Like you can separate uh, babies from your body. And this is very, this gets a little touchy because people don't like to make these kind of connections, but um, that is what happened. We had uh, a movement in this country led by people like Margaret Sanger, who we probably know as the founder of Planned Parenthood to separate uh bodies from your identity. So to be a woman uh separated you from being a mother. And but that was, they didn't realize the logic of this. I I honestly don't believe they saw where this was going to go, except for a few. There were a few ideological people who uh understood what was going on. But that separation of identity, that Gnostic dualism where you who you are is not your body, right? It's your your ideas. It's your will. It's your desires. It's your feelings. Um, that led directly to things like uh, the homosexual uh, movement and gay marriage, and that logically just has very much extended to um, the idea that who you are um, is just what you feel. So you've got kids now. Who change their identities you know during the day it's like they start out as one thing they decide later in the afternoon to be something else uh they're they're fluid they're non-binary because their identity has been disconnected from their body but i actually look back uh, i think it's i mean it's kind of an ancient heresy really it's gnostic dualism it's very dark it's very um i mean satanic ultimately it's 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 telling god that uh, I I am not who you created me to be. I want to be something different. I want to be in charge. It's that notion taken now to a, a very logical uh, extreme.
0: Yeah, uh, telling God that I don't receive nor appreciate that you made me as I am on purpose and for a purpose is a good way of framing this conversation. We're talking with Don Johnson. He is a documentary filmmaker, disconnectedmovie.com. Uh, disconnected from your body, disconnected from your family, disconnected from reality. Um, maybe one of the things that people might appreciate understanding is this uh, this whole concept of dead naming and um, really how that is robbing families of their connection to one another.
2: Yeah, this is a very anti-family movement and something that uh, I sort of knew as I started um, making this movie, but really was hammered home to me it was, <laughs> as I uh, as I continued to talk to people. And the, the trans movement, which I as I sort of show in the film, is very cultish. It's very much a movement that wants to separate you from those around you, especially your family. And so. Um, one of the first things they do is want you to change your name. And so this term, if you're familiar with the movement at all, they have a term for dead name, which is the name that your parents gave you. Well, you are not, not only do you forget that, but it is a great offense to even bring that up or reference your dead name. That old you, um, that, <laughs> that uh, connection you have to your old life, and especially to your parents who, by the way, gave you that name and thought about it very carefully and put a lot of time and effort probably into that, and it means a lot, that has to be killed, that has to be separated. Um, and this this killing of the old person is really an essential part. And if you think about it, I mean, that's what cults do, right? Cults separate you from your family, they separate your former identity uh, from you, and you're now your whole identity is wrapped up in the new group. And yeah, I think the dead naming uh, whole idea really brings to the fore just how anti-parent, how cultish this movement is.
0: Um don uh a, a number of years ago, I don't know, close to 10 years ago now, you wrote um How to Talk to a Skeptic an easy to follow guide for natural conversations and effective apologetics. I'm thinking that the culture of radical unbelief that you were seeking to talk to 10 years ago is even more different now, the rise of the nuns, this uh, public yeah. pride people take in deconstructing their faith um, and leading other people to do likewise. I guess I'm wondering, how today might you tell the world its story, you know, recognizing the reality in which we now live?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question, Carmen. I think the idea that we have to understand the worldview behind these things like that. And that's what how to talk to a skeptic um, was all about. In fact, I've been teaching some high schoolers that book just recently. So it's it's interesting you bring that up. Um, But it does apply very much that we have to understand what are the the broad worldview beliefs behind this movement. And this is something that I think even in the mainstream press, that it's not getting talked about enough, that the uh, understanding of what it means to be human needs Mm -hmm. to be not only understood, but addressed in our conversations. And that part people want to shy away from. But that's what this is about. This is about uh, changing um, what it means to be human rather than be a creature of God uh, and rather than live a life that flourishes as you align yourself with reality. This movement says, I am my own thing, like I am my own God. I will create for myself what reality should be. And in doing that, I have to tear down all that I have been given my family, the my body, the things that I couldn't control that I didn't decide the name that was given to me. I have to tear all that down. Um, so understanding like competing worldviews is what's going on here and discussing at that level. Uh, which, again, is what I go through in that book, I think is absolutely key. Like if we could understand that this ultimately is a a philosophy, uh, a Gnostic, I would call it satanic philosophy, that is trying to undermine um, Christianity and really the, uh, a, a Judeo-Christian understanding of, of reality. Um, if we could have conversations on that level, I think it would really help us quite a bit.
0: Yeah that's a hard conversation to have in the context of a culture that when you call something satanic or you point to something as distinctly spiritual right i mean it's not just that eyes roll you're you're virtually dismissed from uh, you know, from the conversation of the day. It's, so it's challenging, but you're exactly right. It's certainly spiritual um, and it's certainly a conversation that has to be had in terms of, you know, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to um, live in a physical body? What does it mean to be a creature created in the image of God? I mean, on and on and on. Those are absolutely the starting points that, uh, you know, where we must have the conversation. It's just, it's hard to do so. But Hard things are important. So Don, thank you so much for um, helping us have the hard conversation. Thank you for equipping us through the movie. The movie is Disconnected. So you're gonna look for it at disconnectedmovie.com and disconnected is D-Y-S. You're gonna find all the links in the show notes for today's program at myfaithradio.com. Don Johnson, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Carmen. Thanks so much for having yeah. me
0: on. Likewise. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen Laverge. This is Faith Radio. So many of you um, asking uh, questions about resources for families who are um, dealing with—I guess this is my best language here—dealing with uh, members of your family who are asking these questions, or exploring these questions, or making these declarations about themselves um, in terms of their identity, particularly in the relation, particularly in a relationship to this transgender conversation. Um, I would direct you to help for families and that you put the number four in there. Help, the number four, and then families. helpforfamilies.org. dot org. We have talked uh here on the program with Denise Schick in the past. Um she has shared her testimony. And there is a lot of help for families at helpforfamilies.org. So just wanted to tee that up. Um, uh, you know, as a part of that conversation with Don Johnson um and the disconnected movie and again yeah those of you asking for the link um disconnected is spelled with a y d y s connected d y s connected movie uh, dot .com um so i googled uh, i shared with you a little bit earlier that uh, i googled the word transgender and hit the news tab um to, you know to see what would pop in terms of the headlines of the day and after that i thought hmm you know what out of curiosity Let me uh, type in the word Christian into my search browser and ask for news headlines. So you might try that. The lead was an article in the New York Post about porn again Christians. Yes, you um, heard me right. Porn again Christians. The headline reads, we grew up sexless Christians and now we're in an open marriage and make porn. So following that, the next headline posed a question that I felt like, uh, well, had already been answered by the first headline. So the Washington Post is featuring an opinion piece today by Justin Dyer that asks, is America a Christian nation? Having just read the lead headline from the New York Post about porn again Christians, I felt uh, that the answer, the easy answer to the question was no. Is uh, America a Christian nation? But of course, Justin Dyer takes a historic approach to the conversation, and he's talking about um, the long held understanding in the United States of America that there is a law that is higher than the king or the constitution. He's talking about natural law. He's talking about, um, the, the air that our founders breathed, the, the educational institutions that they attended, what was affirmed in the dominant culture of the day. And that was a culture that was still dominated by an understanding that there is a God and he is sovereign, that, um, There was a moral philosophy and a moral theology of the time that said there is a natural law um, that governs everything and everyone. There is a law higher than, in our case, the Congress or the Constitution. So if you were to ask people today, do they still believe that? Do they think that there is a higher law and a lawgiver that is above the Congress or the Constitution? And what would you say if I asked you that question? I mean, do you, do you recognize in your own life God's supreme authority over every aspect of your life? Are you consciously and conscientiously yielding to the active power of the Holy Spirit right now as a Christian? Do you recognize the natural law of God that's operating throughout the universe and in real time? I mean, are you living actively under God's authority right now in your life? When we when we ask a question um like is America a Christian nation we're really asking are there Christians in America? Like it's one thing to talk about America's foundational ideals you know of a god-ordered universe and a universe actively operating under god's active authority it's it's another thing to look around at our neighbors and in the mirror at ourselves and ask our and and really like ask the honest question like are we Christians would Jesus recognize us as his as his not only image bearers but as his bearers of his spirit into the world like are we really the Jesus people We have as a country thoroughly undermined the philosophical and theological foundations upon which this nation was built. We are increasingly disconnected from the very real natural laws of God established to govern human life. And I think that we have done so potentially to our own peril. Do I see hope? Am I hopeful? Yeah, I'm ever hopeful. Do problems abound? Um, Oh, yes. um, Oh, yes, they do. Um, all right. Paul is cued up the music, which means I should put my timer up. I see that, Paul. I have 30 seconds uh, to close out this hour. And to say to everybody, hey, if you missed any portion of this program, um, you can grab the podcast later at myfaithradio.com. we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next.